The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. In a world where meta-commentary is such a thing that there's even meta-commentary about the meta-commentators, this is Totally Super. (laughs) Welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made, but not today. Um, this is uh, uh, going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, um, but I couldn't think of anywhere else to talk about it. Um, I thought about talking about it over on Trek Off with Alexia, and I and I decided that, that there is kind of no one better to talk about this subject, because frankly, we spent the greater part of two months talking about the lead up to this, and that is um, that this last week, we're recording this as of right now on May. 29th 2020 um in the midst of all the the trouble and and unrest that is going on in in the world today um there was a little blip on the radar in the last week of two things happening um that is one um the the fact that Zack Snyder's Snyder cut of Justice League has been officially greenlighted by HBO Max which is the new HBO streaming service um to be released uh sometime uh, later this year um or early next year and they're going to be spending 30 million dollars maybe more to complete Zack Snyder's version of Justice and hot on the heels of that was the rehiring of Henry Cavill as Superman to appear in both Superman and adjacent Justice League universe films which puts DC films in a in a quite a quite a spot because they have already gotten halfway through shooting Robert Pattinson's The Batman um, which is supposed to take place earlier which means then what do we it, it, it's all it, it's a big mess it's an interesting mess and I wanted to talk to you Arthur about it let me just ask you like straight up what was your initial thought when you were like oh they are releasing the Snyder, the, the Snyder Cut are you, were you excited are you delighted to see that would happen are you concerned it's going to be I, a, a, I mean, a train wreck what are your thoughts about it honestly I I, I got to be honest on this one I, I had no initial thoughts Um, I mean I to me it was kind of a non-issue one way or the other it was the I know I don't I from what we've watched already, I know that I don't usually like Zack Snyder's take on the DC Universe, period. So I I have, I mean, I'm probably not going to watch it, but it's not like I got any kind of either delight or outrage over the fact that they're releasing the cut. It was more like I was scrolling through my newsfeed and said, oh, interesting, and literally kept scrolling on. That is the extent of my reaction to this, if I'm being completely honest. I have bad news for you. You are going to watch it, unfortunately. We are going to, I do, do, I mean, I feel like we are going to be required to um uh i certainly i'm with you in that i probably i might not have watched it if not for this show um but then again i never would have watched those last two crow movies if not this show um so do you feel burned enough that in your real world like like if not for the show you act you really wouldn't have watched it like you would have or are you like like foot stomping down i'm not watching this crap i'm done or are you just sort of like there's other stuff to do no it's yeah it's 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 nothing so major as foot stomping or being just or being burned or anything like that it's just like there is there is a we have a surfeit good TV and movies coming out nowadays. Um, it's not I'm not saying that I'd never watch it. It's just the just goes on the bottom of the list when you consider all the other stuff out there that I would like to watch. That's all. I think that speaks to a real problem within the DC universe 
Norse canon. Uh, the idea that, like, if for instance, there was a an alternate version of Avengers Endgame that came out that was going to be significantly different, that they were like, this is what, you know, this is what the makers really wanted to do before God interfered with, and it's significantly different, and we swear to you that it's better. I would be the first in line to jump. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see this. I do have to admit that I am more excited to talk and think about it as a concept, this Justice League, than I am the idea of sitting down and and it's not so much that I don't think Zack Snyder can burn me anymore in that I already have felt a little burned by him. Um, but I do feel like there's a part of me as an artist that feels for the man. Um, and I felt this for George Lucas as well. And we're actually going to talk about George Lucas in a minute in that, you know, for those that didn't listen to our, other pri- our prior podcast, uh, Zack Snyder was um, removed or removed himself from Justice League. Uh, the context that we didn't talk much about is he had a family tragedy and he took himself off the film and that's the official word on the film. The rumors that were going around before that tragedy happened, and because I remember because I had I was you know watching comic news at the time, was that people were seeing the cuts of Justice League and not liking and thinking that it was gonna be a real problem and that they were they were still con- constantly trying to retool it and that that this was used as a way for him to sort of gracefully bow out. Although getting Joss Whedon to do it seemed to be you know there's it's such a tonal shift and we wondered what was Joss, what was not. Um, it certainly is the least favorite thing. I mean, uh, in John, in Joss Whedon's oeuvre, right? They say that he directed seventy percent of the of what we ended up seeing. Do you? Would you put Justice League like anywhere near? Is it the bottom of what Joss Whedon has done in your opinion? Um, not necessarily. No, so I, I enjoyed they, Justice League. As I, I mean, it was. I mean, it's not. It's Joss Whedon. Honestly, when it comes to Joss Whedon's uh, film body of work, he doesn't really have that grand a scope of it. I mean, I I preferred both Cabin in the Woods and both Avengers films to Justice League. Sure. Yeah, I I. I feel like it ended up being it's like the wrong combat even if we we are not to complain about Zack Snyder it is you know I love orange juice and I love York peppermint patties but I would not eat them together and th- well, yeah and, but we th- got we covered this pretty extensively when we actually reviewed it too that exact thing yeah the, like the, it's two two great tastes that don't, don't don't go great together um as an artist I'm very interested I have to admit in in people being able to get this done I, and and if you think from Zack Snyder's point of view. He got a thing started. He, you know, he got the universe started. He did the Batman v Superman. He had an idea. He was probably dreaming about doing this Justice League for better part of half a decade. And then he doesn't get to be the one to bring it in for the land. And there is a part of me that feels like it, I, that I want to, even if I don't like the art itself, that I want to support the artist. Um, there's a, there's, I don't know if you heard about this and I'll, and I'll jump over to this as a, as quick thought. Um, the rise of Skywalker. Evidently there was, now this is a rumor. I, for the sake of this discussion, let's pretend it's true it might not there's a rumor that rise of skywalker was was when they were turning it in that there was a real problem with the ending that that everybody hated what the ending was and so they brought that that the studio and jj abrams brought george lucas in to watch it and he was like oh no 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 this is not right this is not what this should be and they brought him into an editing bay and that george lucas actually did a significant amount of editing work on the film to bring it in and then they were like thank you george so much and they sent him home and then they cut it together however they wanted. And when George Lucas finally saw the film, none of his work 
work got into the film. They just cut it out. And there's a part of me that as an artist feels like I connect the art, I connect the film to the filmmaker, I connect the art to the artist. And it makes me feel like I would like to see what the creator of it does to bring... Am I making any sense? Yes. Um, I mean, I think that I think we're overcomplicating the issue. When it comes to releasing cuts, releasing things like this, what it comes down to is the studio... I mean, essentially the studio saying like, okay, they're willing to spend $30 million to release a different version of a film that they've released already. Well, that's because somebody has probably crunched the numbers and said, you know what? Based on the level of uh, interest that we're seeing from the fans of this IP, uh, we would make money if we released a different version of this. And that's not, and I mean, that sounds kind of just like, oh, corporate, you know, corporate studios and everything. But no, that's, that's just, you don't, you don't do things unless you think it's going to turn a profit. That's not how making movies works. Um, at least not on the, not on the big level. Yeah, and say, so yeah, because it, of that, unless you're me. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, but I mean, the th- I mean, it's this is in in many ways, it's no different than them deciding to be like, hey, that one that one show that had one season that barely made it thirteen episodes, but look at this mad amount of uh, fan love that it's getting right now. Uh, let's make a movie about it, and the studio deciding to go uh, to make Serenity. Um, it's the uh, so so I guess the sort of th- and so in the same way that it's just like okay, if this Lucas cut exists and enough people show interest in saying, yeah. I think I'd very much like to see that. Then why wouldn't a studio just say, or again, this is, now Disney's another thing because they do tend to be very, very particular about their branding. Um, Disney is, Disney treats its canon as extraordinarily sacrosanct. Uh, you already know my feelings on canon in that I'm just like, why let canon get in the way of good art? Uh, you know, if you want to, sh- if you want to tell me 12 different versions of a story, I will happily listen to each one uh, and then, you know, and j- then basically take what I like from each of them. Uh, so in that sense, my attitude is, if I were running a studio and there was a huge amount of fan support for releasing an alternate version of a film, I'd be like, sure, why not? Let's do it. Yeah, I the two issues that concern me is um, I don't know how much I like the idea of a fan outcry causing a studio to come in and make changes. Like, for instance, with all the problems that I had with Rise of Skywalker um, and, and to a greater extent, The Last Jedi, the last thing I would like to have happen is the studio come in and go oh well, you, di- you didn't like what they said in The Last Jedi well we've got uh, some alternate takes that we've done and we're going to put this out for you maybe you'll like this more um, I think that that they're and, and again Star Wars is an interesting you know example of that because Lucas went in and, and kept making changes that he thought people were going to like to the original works and there there's something to be said for, for original works staying as they are there are some some strong exceptions to this um, specifically when it comes to James Cameron films of all things uh, the I would argue specifically with one of my favorite films of all time is the Abyss Special Edition, and the story of the Abyss is is that when it came out, it was a flop. No one kind of understood it or liked it, and it got pretty sour reviews. And if you watch the theatrical release of the Abyss, it's fine, but it's nothing special. It doesn't really have much to say. Um, if you're able to find, and the Abyss is has never had a Blu-ray release. It's never it has does not have an HD version out there, as far as I know. And James Cameron has been saying forever that he's working on it. Um, 
Um, the Abyss Special Edition is 40 minutes longer and has an almost completely different ending, which changes the entire meaning and theme of the film. And I feel like like there are times when times that I am very supportive of things like this is when the studio has said this needs to be cut short for theatrical release. This needs to be done. We say this. The studio makes a change, and then the film is released, and people don't like it. And then the artist, the director behind the film, turns around and goes, "Well, this is what I was trying to do before they cut me off, and now we're releasing what my idea was." The director's cut of thing. I'm very strongly in support of that. Um, do have to feel like Joss Whedon would be getting his feelings hurt a little bit by this. Um, and maybe I'm a little protective of Joss. Um, that he did a thing. You know, he did Justice League, and he goes, "Okay, I finished it up. This is what we said it was, and and this is what Justice League is." And the studios come in and said, "Aha, nah, now this. I mean, it's to have the two different versions. On one hand, I want Zack Snyder to have his you know, have his day in court, so to speak. But there's a part of me that sort of feels for the artist Joss Whedon to kind of go, "Haha, we're erasing your your work." Um, let's jump over to the idea of canon. I know you don't care as much about canon as I do. Do you? If the Snyder Cut were to come out, would you feel the need to accept one versus the other as the canon for what Justice League is? Or are you able to sort of work that out in your head? I mean, it's not... The thing is, is that it's not to us to accept what is... To, to quote-unquote accept what is canon. Um, the, what, all that canon means is the cre- is that the... Is whoever is in charge of creating future stories, all that canon is is them saying, hey, these previous stories are the stories that we are going to use in order to construct these future stories. Now, they might have all... I mean, Star Wars... The, the quote-unquote Star Wars Legends, uh, which is basically all of the extended universe novels that came out before Disney, uh, you know, 20 years of extended universe novels that came out before Disney got a hold of the property. Um, it's not to me to decide, quote-unquote, whether or not uh, whether or not the extended universe is canon or not. All, as somebody who's, in, as somebody who is, you know, partaking in the stories, all I can say is, I enjoyed reading this story. I might go back and reread it again. Um, you know, I might say, oh, it's a shame that this character who I, like, say, Mara Jade, who I really liked in the extended universe, I could say, oh, it's a shame that there won't be any more stories based on her because the people who are in charge of making the new stories have said, you know what, we're not going to use that particular threat. Um, but in terms of there being this objective canon that's floating out there in the ether, um, I, I, I don't think that's how it works. It's part of what I really enjoy about you as a human. Um, and it's something that I have found over the course of our friendship to be um, frustrating. Also, if I were to admit it, I envy that you can be so laid back about that because of all the things to be worried about in the world, the fact that like if I had been as into the Star Wars novels as you had and then they undid Marge. I mean, for goodness sake, when Star Trek 2009 I, I came out. I, I don't doubt that. I, I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> well, it happened to me when, 2000, when Star Trek 2009 came out. Um, They like they they found a way to reboot it and also keep it in canon that it was rebooted. So the all the flashbacks in, in, in Star Trek 2009 take place in the Star Trek universe as we know it. And then they say, but this is an alternate timeline. They say it in the movie. This is an alternate timeline. And that's why we can do these things. Um, and I I understand the need as an artist to do that. Certainly, um, that is that is why they got rid of Legend is because they wanted to be able to say, we can do whatever we want to do. We can If we want to kill Han Solo, kill Han Solo, we can kill Han Solo. And that we can set up the universe to do tell whatever stories we want to set, tell. And I, and mm-hmm. I do get it. Um, it infuriated me because it, Star Trek time travel rules never worked like that. So I said, no, they, they completely destroyed the Prime Universe. That's what happens. That's how Star Trek time travel rules work. And I freaked out. And, you know, I love that, like, if you and I, if you had been as big a Star Trek fan as I was, 
you'd be like, well, no, the, there are some stories that say this and some stories that say this. And, you know, they're both fine. And that's cool. And I'm sitting here like becoming an alcoholic because like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just and, the and again, this is the um, this is completely from my perspective is I, and actually come to think of it. This is a very, uh, um, you know, in Buddhism, they talk a lot about uh, how one of the things that causes the most suffering in our lives is attachment. Uh, there's a misconception that Buddhism is about, oh, you shouldn't have any desires whatsoever. Uh, and that's not actually the case. It's not nearly that nihilistic philosophy. It is rather about, it's like, no, it's, of course you enjoy things, but the harder you hold on to things, instead of accepting that the only true constant in the universe is change and entropy, um, you know, then it is, you are causing yourself suffering by holding on so tight instead of being grateful for the time that you have with the thing and then letting it go and then being open to whatever comes down, you know, whatever comes at you in the stream of life next. Uh, that's, I guess I'm kind of a Buddhist when it comes, well, I'm a kind of, I'm a Buddhist in a whole lot of ways, but uh, I guess I'm, now that I'm thinking of it, I'm pretty much a Buddhist when it comes to my enjoyment of art. Um, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed the extended universe. I am grateful for it. I was, to the extent that, you know, when they brought back uh, Admiral Thrawn, uh, who is still my favorite villain in all of the Star Wars canon, uh, like, I was thrilled by that. Um, and had they done a complete 180 on his character, I would have been disappointed with the new works. But I wouldn't have, but that wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have been bound to thinking, oh no, unless you keep Thrawn exactly the same way, I'm not going to be able to enjoy the memories of the time that I read the original Heir to the Empire trilogy. Um, you know, I read those stories in high school. I loved them. They were wonderfully influential to me. I'm grateful for that. But that was 20 years ago. And if they give me a completely different Thrawn now, I can choose to either enjoy or discard it. But that doesn't, why, why should that affect, um, why should that affect major milestone moments for me in my development as an artist that happened, you know, two decades ago? It's admirable. It's I was listening to a Kevin Kevin Smith podcast once where he was talking about when when Twilight was out and how there were all the Twihards that were so into it. And, you know, it, it's easy to mock Twilight because it's not very good. But um, but there are people for whom that it was it was very important at the time. And Kevin Kevin Smith said, mm -hmm. you know, I don't get it. I went to a convention and and there are all the Twilight people and they're sort of silly and, you know, they're, they're easily mockable. But you have like people walking by in stormtrooper, homemade stormtrooper costumes going, you idiots. <laughs> Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's it's really easy to 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 be precious, at least for me, about some things. It's, I have I have friends who who will not watch the new Star Trek stuff because the Enterprise on that it, that's not the way the Enterprise actually looked. When in fact, mm -hmm. you know, if anyone's wondering why they do that, there are legal reasons that if as long as they make the Enterprise look like a certain percentage, like thirty percent different than the original original Enterprise, then they don't have to pay you know the estate of the people who originally designed the original enterprise so there are like legal reasons mm -hmm. that they continually change the way that it looks um yeah but uh but like there are people like i won't watch it because the ship doesn't look the way the ship should look um and i'm like come on or the klingons look wrong oh come on just enjoy it but then i will immediately turn around and be the one to go you know i want i just want there to be more buffy can there please be more buffy can i just have more buffy and more star trek and more star wars and listen to bare naked ladies and eat you know teenage mutant ninja turtle pies and drink ecto cooler can i just please remain in 1999 for the rest of my life um, <laughs> it was a good year and it's you know it's a thing that that i i love about you as a person is just your ability to go like well you know if they make more buffy that'd be great but you know if they don't then there's so many other really good things to enjoy and i'm like why do i want new things i don't have room in my brain for new things <laughs> um i think for, uh, like for me it just look i know and the thing is i never want to denigrate uh the the way another there is no one right way
way to enjoy a fandom. There is no one right way to be a fan. Um, there's a couple extremely wrong ways. Those are pretty few and far between, and usually involve writing death threats to creators. Um, like if you are if you love a if you love a fandom uh, to such an extent that you are sending death threats in any way, shape, or form about something that you don't like, you're doing it wrong. Like I think I can say that with a hundred percent certainty. Uh, beyond that, it's like to each their own. All I'm saying is I think it's important to sometimes stop and ask the way that we're reacting to something that we love, or even if we're trying to protect something that we love, it's to what degree is our own mindset actively getting in the way of our very enjoyment of that thing. And if it's, uh, it's one of the, I mean, and I mentioned this when we covered Rise of Skywalker, um, my knowledge of all of the meta stuff, all the politics and all the fan stuff and all of that stuff going around between the dislike of Last Jedi and, you know, into Rise of Skywalker, all of my knowledge of the outside thing of that actively got in the way. It was actively detrimental to my enjoyment of the film. Um, nine times, for me, and this is just for me, nine times out of ten, my knowing something about something outside about a story, knowing the meta thing, especially before I see it, is going to dilute the otherwise pure experience I would have had of that story. And that is not the way that I personally want to experience my stories. Now, you know, I think you strike me, you come at it from a very different standpoint. Um, you know, you you absorb all the material, uh, you know, all the te- all the trailers, all the teasers, all the industry information that's coming out about a film before you see it. And I think that's largely because to you that actually heightens your enjoyment of the film. And um, uh, I I would I would say that that I would prefer a world where I didn't know that stuff beforehand, but I could get the film faster. I think that um, it's a it, you know it, there's a split there. Certainly going in cold, you know, like I knew nothing about Knives Out, and then when I went to go see Knives Out, I was so blown away and just surprised, and and I was just like I knew nothing about this film, and now I've watched this film, and now it's a film that I love. Um, it's something that Christopher Nolan has done really well about his films. He releases trailers that make you go, "Holy crap, that looks awesome!" But you have no idea what the film is about, and mm-hmm. and that's, what that's, the, that's the hook of the film is going to be. Um, uh, and Tenet, the new one coming out, is the same way. You watch it, and it is it time travel? Is it action? Is it a drama? I can't I can't tell you what exactly is going on. And he's been really good about about the films he makes and the marketing of the films that that even his trailers give you misinformation and and just make you ask questions and he's been super careful about that um on the other hand you know i wish there was a star wars movie every day and and you know the star wars news in between is is sort of the way that i that i get to fill that cup i get to sort of stay engaged with it i get to have a Mm -hmm. a you know a texting relationship with star wars when i can't be with it um and that is you know i mean heck that's why we do this this podcast um but but i do like i do see the value in the way that you like to appreciate is to is not look into any of that stuff till after you've seen it um because certainly had i not had the uh, the fan opinion of last jedi or if i if i had to watch last jedi and rise of skywalker in a vo- in a vacuum i might have liked them like liked them very much more. Mm-hmm. i think that so. at the end of the day it's um you know being self-aware is is a very important thing that i like i've noticed during this quarantine time uh you know i'm not on facebook nearly as much as i used to be because basically there was this moment that i stopped and i was like i need to go back like i go back over all the times i was checking facebook over the past week and then i would ask myself okay what percentage of that time did i actually feel better after you know scrolling facebook than i did before and the answer that came to me was not that often frequently i felt a little more stressed or more anxious so then i stopped and i was like well then why am i doing it in the now there are some people for whom you know that is their that is their source of contact that is the way that they can keep in touch with things there are many people to whom that answer would be actually i felt better most of the time in which case absolutely they should keep doing it uh, in 
in the same way, I think I, I would just recommend to any fan, in terms of consuming any meta material or trying to be part of that discussion, ask yourself, does this increase my enjoyment? Not not even just of the film. Say it. Say even knowing stuff ahead of time uh, takes away from your enjoyment. Uh, knowing stuff about Star Wars for the year before it came out took away from your enjoyment of the film. But you know what? You had a lot of really, really great uh, positive moments reading about the film that uh, in that year that more than make up for the slight loss in enjoyment of the actual film when it came out. Like, if that's the case, then by all means, um, decide what you enjoy. What I mean, look, all of us are looking to fill our lives with as much joy and positivity as can. And so all I'm saying is just be aware of which of your habits in terms of consuming these stories actually contributes to that and what takes away. And if being constantly aware of all this stuff denigrates the film, denigrates your enjoyment of the film and isn't even really that much of a, an uplift for you while you're reading it, then then just why, why would you? I think that's a great place to, uh, to to end the podcast. Frankly, I think that's a wonderful message. Um, <laughs> what uh, what I, the, uh, I, the, the, I, the message of <laughs> that let's let's end this podcast about uh, let's end this podcast about uh, analyzing superhero films by saying, hey, we need to really ask ourselves whether it's worthwhile to analyze superhero films. No, it's totally worthwhile after the fact. <laughs> That's why we review the ones that have already been made. But I will say this about about the Snyder Cut to, to bring it all in. Um, I have no reason to think that it's going to be any good. That being said, we, I mean, we have to watch it for this show. So we will. I want it to be good. And whether or not it's good, I feel a little bit for Joss. I really do. Because Joss is, you know, you know, is a, is, is a, a deeply feeling person. And I feel for him um, that it's got to burn a little bit. But, you know, I'm glad that Zack Snyder gets a gets a, a final crack at it because, you know, it must have been hard for him to watch somebody else bring in her landing. So I am artist to artist, not that Zack Snyder gives, you know, two farts what I am or what I think. Um, I'm rooting for the guy to be able to to finish the work that was interrupted by the loss of a family member. Um, I'm rooting for the guy to succeed and for it to be good, both as a consumer and as a, you know, as a consumer of that art and also as, as you know, someone who, who can imagine how hard, I mean, I can't imagine it would be like if halfway through the third Ninjas movie, someone just said, I'm going to finish it instead of you, go away. And mm-hmm. so I like, as artist to artist, I hope he does well and, and it does well. And, and you know, I wish it all the best. We'll see what happens. But uh, well, I, uh, I think that's for, a lovely way of for, looking at it. Yeah, to uh, our little uh, interstitial. Um, and next week we'll be back to reviewing superhero movies that have already been named. But for now, <laughs> my name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And hey there, true believers. Stay super. Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not safe for work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Endlight Entertainment.